0: But uh, all right. So, uh, hello and welcome to the Shades of Green podcast. I'm excited to have um, my guest, Kyra Woods, join us. Hi. Hi, Kyra. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I probably should have thought of a an introduction <laughs> to you. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Other than to think about how I first met you. Do you yeah. remember? I first met? <laughs> so, oh man,
1: that's- so long ago now oh my gosh
0: is that is that wild yeah I, I was uh on my, it was the earth hour which so we're coming up on an anniversary wow. or we just passed it right yeah just passed it 50 years um <laughs> and uh yeah I was, was not on an
1: earth, hour. earth day with 50 years my bad <laughs> yeah well earth hour is a couple weeks before earth day right
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's at the end of March right yeah so um yeah is that my way to to Earth Hour, uh, a northerly island that was getting that was hosted by Tony Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I had never been to northerly island, and I was fumbling trying to find where we were supposed to go. <laughs> and I saw you, and I'm like, "What are the chances that she's going there too?
1: <laughs> right, Like, <who> she's <laughs> walking in this direction." <laughs> so, I'm like. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was, it was such a good event, but I too was fumbling and didn't know where I was going. So we, we I think like very quickly, we were like, hey, hey, you know, <laughs> like, I heard you. Going this exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> so that, that was great. I think we were, we were, uh bound by a journey
1: (laughs) that was far bigger than that moment and we never knew
0: (laughs) right yeah oh man so oh it's it was great that I fumbled into you um, yeah and we managed to make the rest of the journey there together (laughs) that
1: That was was a really good event yeah yeah it was a beautiful evening the candles it was it was such a good-sized group too yeah yeah great way to get to know people that you know continue to pop up in our work you know particularly I think as not just women in this work but women of color in this work um and so I'm always really appreciative for like intimate experiences like that so thanks for having me on today because I feel as if this is this is another one of those ways to keep that network alive and connected and you know informed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, um, yeah, I, I, uh,
0: there are just so many, so many people, uh, you know, I, especially right now, um, you know, I'm being isolated. So <laughs> to acknowledge that it is May 9th that we're recording this, um, and we're still, you know, um, sheltering in place for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that I've one that I appreciate we have the technology to do this and, and still be connected and still be able to. To connect with other people. um, Thank you to (laughs) technology. Um, I I can't imagine doing this even 20 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm excited. uh, I'm excited to to dive a little deeper. I feel like we have some really, we always have such great conversations, but sometimes we don't necessarily talk about, um, you know, our path to get to where we are now. We Mm -hmm. have a tendency to kind of talk about um, what we're currently working on and where we where we see it go in um, yeah. and I, I think I want to talk about that too but um but just kind of foundationally get a sense to um you know what brings you to the work that you do and and what influences that um and maybe let's start with with uh you know maybe um what made you realize you are an environmentalist and, or do you consider mm-hmm. yourself an environmentalist?
1: <laughs> that's a good question Um, I do, um, and I think it was only later in life that I knew that the word kind of came with some baggage and some history. Um, But somewhere in, I would say high school, um, through like a biology class, you know, I just realized I really, really enjoyed a biology and most of my science classes. But biology was great. I can remember this one project. The teacher had us, you know, assigned us to go around our neighborhood and sketch and take notes of, on the the different, you know, pieces of nature that we saw. I think it was tr- it aimed to be a very broad assignment. And I got so into it, like going down alleys and, you know, trying to sketch leaves and describe them. And I got really into all of that, you know. Um, and I'm grateful that I live in a neighborhood that has, you know, some green spaces and, you know, we've got trees. Lined streets and things like that. So it was an, an, an assignment that I had a lot of fun with doing. And later I just kind of continued to follow that, that train of thought. So my mom thought it would be great if I was a researcher. That seemed personally a little confining and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> a little boring for my taste. Um, but it was in high school and like senior year, I got involved with the club called Model United Nations. And we started, uh, we went to a conference as a team and in my conference section, we talked about access to clean water. It was really that year and that conference, particularly where I began to understand, you know, not only does access not look the same across the world um, to clean water, clean air or food, um, but it's changing as, you know, climate change impacts the world. And that, like that, sent alarm bells off, you know, and I said, Mom, this is it. I remember coming back <laughs> home. And so at that moment, I don't think I called it an environmentalist. I knew that I cared about that intersection between public health and environmental health. And I could hear myself saying it to my guidance counselor and people even in college. Um, and so really, it started as a problem solver, you know, I wanted to be a part of solving this issue around access to clean water. And then later it grew to understanding, oh, this is a bigger issue, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny how much um, just understanding resources um, and politics around resources and access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned with Model UN, I, that was one thing that struck me right away with my Model UN um, experience in high school. Like, oh, spe- I didn't know. Oh, are, are you, oh my God, like this is, this is funny. So I, I may have talked about this before in the podcast, but so cool. <laughs> in uh, in high school, like I, I was, you know, I went to the Illinois Math and Science Academy mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it took me three tries to pass one of my math classes.
1: So, I don't you know. You guys, the, like, props to you. That is not an easy school for those listening who don't know that school. Essentially, Anita is a genius and <laughs> <laughs> is gracing well, me with her presence. <laughs> so, three, well, try, three tries on a math test. Don't, don't, don't scoff at no, that. Math like, you're brilliant. Oh, math class. Oh, okay. Well, you're class. still brilliant. <laughs>
0: uh, so, so you know, I ended up leaving. Uh, High school thinking mm-hmm. I'd never be good at math. But the one thing i consistently loved and thought I was good at was model UN. <laughs> so and I'm like, can I, I I'm like, I don't want to be involved with politics in the long term, but I really mm-hmm. love model UN and uh, mm-hmm. so I ended up majoring in international studies. <laughs> yes, yes. Which was a terrible fit for me at the time. Mm-hmm. I think it just you know, I talked to people in the foreign service. I went to American, and uh, mm-hmm. and I ended up talking to people in the foreign service. And and I was like, this sounds painful having to support policies you don't believe in. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was one thing that I really, really struggled with. And I'm like, I'm never going to be good at that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Model yeah. UN,
0: I get to, I get to represent real interests and actually get stuff done. Yeah, and and the thing was, it's it's nice because it's in a bubble, um, but yeah. uh, but uh, but that's one thing that really struck me with with geopolitics that really upset me was, um, and at the time I didn't see it as 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 an myself as an environmentalist, and at the time, the conversation um, we had around the environment was really about overpopulation. Mm-hmm. And that was the concern. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was funny that it was framed in that way, that, you know, it implied this, that not everyone had a right to reproduce and have yep. children. It was very um, dangerous, <laughs> yeah, was,
1: it, that conversation. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and it was funny because that's the way I saw things at the time. Like, not, It's irresponsible to not have access to resources and still expect to keep having children. It, it's really funny, like the so if when it's framed that way.
1: Yeah, and it's dangerous way. because it's not. I, I think I too didn't have as many people, I guess, saying, "But we consume a lot here." You know, yeah. like n- people weren't as self-reflective in that way. <laughs> you know, when you're just like, "Yeah, this is topsy turvy," and actually, they could. Yeah, it, it's 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 a slippery slope for sure
0: for sure but um but yeah that's that was my my tangent into um geopolitics yeah
1: research. that's so crazy that, that like w- at some point like i think we're in a different age category but like mm-hmm. it's just like just by a little bit we may have run into <laughs> each other at a conference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or visiting a conference or something like that that's funny that's so cool yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I still didn't think of myself as an environmentalist and, um, but yeah, it's, that's really interesting. Yeah. That that's, that's where we kind of start sometimes um, with how we're, where we are with where we are and, and environmental justice. Um, Juanita, I lost you. Know, you know, uh, yes, yeah, so that, well, that's great. And so um, I lost my train of thought with that, but um, so um When, I guess, when was it that you started to think about yourself as as an environmentalist?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say, I guess other people started seeing me as that first, you know, like, I don't think I really called it that. It was just what I was particularly passionate about, access to clean water and um, trying to make sure that people had access to that and also interested in how to either create more clean water, you know, through engineering feats or whatever it was. So, um, so I continued to, in college, I went abroad and I did some water work um, in Honduras as well as Ghana. And it was really more organizing um, when I was in, in West Africa Um, And so people, I think, began to attribute that name to me more than anything. It was like you care about the environment, therefore you are an environmentalist. I was like, sure, okay, sounds fine. And um, it it began to stick, I think, as I began to learn more about other, you know, inequities and, you know, all of the laws and acts that came out of the 70s and 60s, you know, just really seeing our country try to hmm, better address. Our, our natural resource management um as well as like you were mentioning the geopolitics of the rest of the world so i i really think i came into that some time in college um and then i yeah i studied environmental engineering when i was in school and i always kind of knew that that is what i that space is where i wanted to be involved that's where i felt happiest and most comfortable And I don't come from a family that hikes or boats or anything like that. So in many ways, it didn't look like the other environmentalists that people were talking about. It was just like, this is what I was interested in. So I began volunteering with Sierra Club as a volunteer. Well, I began volunteering with Sierra Club in around 2015, 2016. And and I think that almost like just put the seal on it for, for people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but it was still always with that interest around uh, access to clean water. So I, I think that's it's, it's really in college where I began to grow those roots and um, see it as such. But there's always, to me, there's always been this piece about people involved. You know, there's this planet and people that I don't think always aligns with some of those who have called themselves environmentalists for decades past. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: know if that's like the best answer, but <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it, it sounds, uh, well, I, I, I want to ask too, like, did you, did it take the experience of, um, being abroad to, to better understand or, or, or maybe see, um, how much inequity there was around, um, access at home
1: sure oh yes 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 i would say yes um so the challenge is that in college and in high school right everything with model united nations is with this international lens and i i definitely grew up in a a context you know family as well as my extended family and those within my extracurriculars, like we were always looking outside of the U S you know, for learning and, you know, extension and growth, you know, like you wanted to study abroad with school and stuff like that. So we were very quick to be able to, um, analyze these problems as an external issue. And I didn't really understand or see or know about some of the things that were happening, not only here in Chicago, but you know, across the country until I, I began to study more in college. Um, so my heart was really set on doing this work internationally. And I still think I, I, I want to be able to be a part of that work, but it took going abroad and coming back in some ways, yeah, to say, actually, there are things that are going on here. And it, it took groups like, You know, EOC, as well as some of the other work that I began doing with Sierra Club to learn more about, you know, environmental justice here in Chicago. And it was stunning. And I was upset, to be honest, that like those connections weren't made. Like, why the heck do we need to go anywhere else? You know, like Mm -hmm. there were two coal plants here and, you know, all the work down on the far south side and then the southeast side, you know, so. Um yeah it wasn't until later that I learned about those things. Um sometimes I'm a little embarrassed to say so, but I think it's important for others to know um mm-hmm. that many of us in this work don't find out about it until later too. So yeah,
0: I um yeah, I think sometimes to um as a, a person of color in operating in you know the Mainstream, I think sometimes they have these expectations sometimes that we are somehow just intrinsically better informed um, yeah. or intrinsically understand diversity mm-hmm. equity inclusion um mm-hmm. and i mean we we we're not necessarily any better at training people or understanding that, and mm-hmm. it ends up kind of being on us to do it or the expectation on us to do it,
1: yeah. Um, and I think sometimes the cha- go ahead go ahead oh no no go ahead i, I was thinking the challenge with that for me and many in many moments is that like we're still operating in a in a greater system mm-hmm. right that's still skewed so i even if you think i'm more equipped or you know and like i like how you said it like intrinsically capable of <laughs> training about dei and things like that like that's just not how the paradigm works here so um yeah this is not just about training my people or other people about how to (laughs) to operate any better in the system like change the system
0: right um, yeah I i think that's that uh yeah exactly it's it's not just us and um you know, that, that it's the system and, and it's so much bigger than what we could be capable of doing just by being a person of color. You
1: know? mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're not a monolith, too, right? Like, I know that this <laughs> kind of goes without saying for this audience, but sometimes that's really frustrating for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, no, I don't know what's happening in all corners. And I tried, you know, through networking and through friendships and things like that, and just reading to, to keep abreast of things. But we don't have, there are many things about our experiences across um, the diversity of like people of color in this city, you know, in this one space that may look similar, but there are so many differences, you know? So I, I, don't, I don't want to find myself, um, you know, like my experience growing up where I grew up in the city is not the same. As somebody else's, you know. So be, being a person of color who is an environmentalist and an advocate for, um, you know, access and ownership and things like that doesn't mean that I know the lived experiences of people from other neighborhoods or that are living through environmental injustices like at home, you know. Um, and I think sometimes that that can get slippery when they're like, ah, oh, she's black, she's a woman, she loves the earth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all black women in Chicago have the same experience
1: right, right exactly can you just tell us about your friends who' like <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: oh man yeah I you know it's yeah it, it is amazing just how different um an experience can be just a few miles um away and you know mm-hmm. the school Experience and um, what a difference it can be from you know just a few miles of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, very different, a very different experience for for uh, for being raised and and growing up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. And the, uh, I I'm curious too about um, I don't know if you don't mind talking a little more about that, like just that global experience of of your family and what sort of influenced that and what, what sort of things like your parents did to, to instill that sort of global lens on, on your education.
1: Yeah. So uh, there are, I think two things that stand out for me. um, About the international conditioning or something like that. (laughs) I don't know the right word for it, words for it yet, but. Um, learning another language was really important to most, both of my parents. Um, both are, like, English is their first language, and like, they're both from Chicago, and I think they both valued another language as a way to, um, help me, A, learn about another place or other places in the world, and then, also to kind of encourage me to think beyond Chicago, right? It's kind of like an inherent way to know that there's more beyond this lovely city. And so I like went to an elementary school where I learned French and um, that I wasn't fluent or anything like that in my sixth grade or eighth grade or anything, but it was still like it was implanted there. And I remember picking the school where these other language options were available it was like really important to my parents. And so I continued learning French through high school, took a few classes in college as well. And um, that served me well when I eventually became a Peace Corps volunteer um, living in Francophone Sub-Saharan Africa. I, I served in Guinea, West Africa. And it was great, you know, and I remember even in high school, you know, my teachers, my parents my french teachers and my parents were you know were very quick to remind me like french is not only spoken in france if you want to go to paris fine but you know just you like please think about all the other places so i'm grateful that the the terrain in our courses as well as the conversations here at the house were about you know about creole and haiti and how french shows up there and countries in west africa and other places so That's one piece. And then the other element was um, this choir that I grew up in. So for about 10 years or so, I was a member of the Chicago Children's Choir. And uh, yep, yep. I grew up in the Beverly Neighborhood Choir, which is the neighborhood I grew up in. And then I um, kind of auditioned and transitioned to the concert choir. And that concert choir is the one that many people see, you know, on, on the Internet and things like that. It's a huge organization and one that I'm very proud to have been a member of. I'm a proud alumna. Um, and the Concert Choir got to travel internationally, and that was an amazing experience. The choir was founded here in Chicago in 1956 around bringing children of diverse socioeconomic backgrounds together, you know, and, and at the heart of the civil rights movement to really say, you know, we can build something better and we can build together um and so the, our international travel and our tours were also of that same mindset you know like how can we be ambassadors and so you know choir leading to MUN right that whole ambassador thing is not a difficult <laughs> train of thought um but yeah those trips were, were really impactful you know you're talking about being you know 11 12 13 going to to germany or you know, the Czech Republic or Japan, and you know, seeing it through the lens of music um, and friendship building and that global citizenship. So I think that's where I know those two things were being reinforced day after day after day, you know, even if we weren't speaking French here at my house um and and my parents, like I said, are just from Chicago, and as are their parents. Um, but yeah, so that international thing got started early.
0: Yeah, yeah. What is? Yeah.
1: What a difference that makes. Do you Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a wonderful younger brother who is a graduating senior at Stanford University.
0: Oh wow. Hmm. Oh, I too Smart. am an older sister to a younger brother. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. How
1: many years between you guys? Uh, it's like eighteen months. Oh yeah. See, so me and my brother. were are about. Seven, six, seven years between us oh okay yeah
0: that's it that's a mm-hmm. enough of a, a difference yeah
1: <laughs> but
0: uh but yeah my my yeah my little brother has a it's funny to see him now with a with a little boy he's got a hey. he's a dad now and his oh my god his little boy is a, a riot he's a sweetheart um yeah he's he and I are very similar his little boy my nephew Elliot and I uh we're like four or it's like two two weeks apart in birthdays. We're very similar, and uh, he's right. Anyway, anyway, um, enough about me. Um, so um, yeah, I guess can you talk to a, a little more about the work you're doing now at Sierra Club?
1: Oh, did I lose you again? Are you still there? Okay, I'm I'm back. You're back too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were going in and out, but your your bar was still there. Okay, mm-hmm. I have the shakiest internet connection. Yeah. Um, I've been hearing some things about that that some people are having like better internet connection, and other people aren't.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think there are different times of the day too, when it seems to be mm-hmm. better. I don't know what what are my neighbors doing at this time?
1: <laughs> right, go outside, <laughs> go outside.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> right, um. Oh, okay, so uh, so can you talk a little bit about what you're working on now?
1: I would love to. Um, so currently I am one of our campaign organizers with Sierra Clubs um, and the Illinois chapter particularly. And so my work centers upon um, the conversation here in Chicago about a transition to 100% clean energy. And we, you know, want to move beyond our reliance on fossil fuels at large, but we know that how we make that transition really matters and that there are ways that create more co-benefits and the and how those co-benefits are distributed um, really matter in, in making sure that we create a more equitable energy future for Chicagoans. Um and so over the last few years, that's been, that's looked like coalition building. Um, and I'm really proud of our team for writing and passing a resolution last year in city council that actually sets the goal of 100% clean energy for the entire city. Um, at that time, Mary Manuel had already committed the city owned buildings to make that transition by 2025. But our, our resolution uh, laid out three things. A, by the end of 2020, we wanted to create like a transition plan um, about how that transition would take place for all buildings. And then, point number two, that buildings trans all buildings across the city transition to 100% clean energy by 2035, and that the bus fleet, uh, but the CTA should be an electric fleet by 2040. So that was our resolution made in 2019. And um, yeah, so now, you know, we're just trying to get our ducks in a row to figure out really how to make that happen and do some listening across the city about what matters most to people. Um, And as you can imagine, or no, I think another thing to point out was that last year, right after the resolution passed, we actually had a transition in mayoral administration. So Rahm Emanuel was the outgoing mayor, and then we elected Mayor Lightfoot to office, We being the collective we of Chicago, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um, and so yeah, Mary Lightfoot is is now in office, and she just you know hit year one uh, about it must have been earlier this month, right? Was no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) um, she's just coming up on a a full year, so yeah.
0: I only know this because it ends up also being I started the first day in my current job This first day she started in hers and I'm like whoa oh. <laughs> she's got a lot more
1: responsibility
0: than I do <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but it's like, that's an easy marker So
0: <laughs> I know so I'll always remember the May 20th <laughs>
1: exactly exactly that's the inauguration date for sure but that was a hot election you know that was yeah. one that that took a lot of um people by surprise I think it was I don't know. There was a lot. So, it's been a it's been a full year and then, you know, 2020 has been what 2020 has been. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean,
0: you really get to see what our leaders are made of,
1: you know. My goodness. <laughs> and it's been it's been shocking not surprising in many ways, but then also you're just like, what does this mean for our work? And I think as an environmentalist, who is a person of color, who is a woman, you know, like you're you're just inundated with like what seems to be the most complex math problems of just like <laughs> what does this mean for me <laughs> and what is the best thing for me to do so um yeah so right to, to answer your question like with a super super fine tip uh, right now there's a lot of you know support going on and a lot of listening that's going on um uh, as an organization like Sierra Club Um, and we're really just trying to make sure that our partners are being heard and seen and provided for in the way that they need in this moment, this completely unprecedented moment. Um, but also trying to encourage, you know, community groups as well as our, like, leaders, um, to, to work together to, to really lay out a recovery plan that benefits people, um, and our
0: economy. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I think um,
1: I know. Uh, I
0: had a I had a low moment a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Um, where, uh, well, I, I guess now is like late March. Now that I'm thinking about it, so that mm-hmm. was a over a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know the. Waste shed and all this was going on, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, what is this mm-hmm. gonna mean for these things? Climate action, mm-hmm. everyone's gonna see as, um, you know, a luxury, which mm-hmm. isn't. Like, how do we get past that? And um, I was reading. I have this this one really great um, <laughs> journalist. I I read in the he said in the LA Times, he's from Orange County, mm-hmm. Gustavo Arellano, and uh mm-hmm. he sent out a, a weekly newsletter and he had this really great um it was it was really low and I he said something that really struck me and I'm like, you know, um that uh he was on a conversation, he was on a Zoom call and uh and he was on the, the, the Zoom call with a group of people and and he said that um, that often we just sort of settle for what's offered to us and not what we deserve.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, but then he's like, he, he thought he was going to make that point with that. But someone trumped him with saying, wait a minute. You know, sometimes we just seek the transactional instead of looking at what could possibly be something transformative. You know, mm-hmm. how do we yeah. look beyond the short term? Um, you know, and, and trying to resolve the short-term problems and patching things up to look just so much farther. What were those goals we had in mm-hmm. January? Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. we still look to that and come up with solutions that are, you know, addressing what we're currently working through, yeah. but also have that long, long view to so yeah sustainable you know future and um and it, it really like oh I needed that at that moment and I'm like yes yeah. like, how do we stop being so short-sighted absolutely you know, so I'm like oh my god that was that was really helpful I yeah. was
1: I'm like letting that still like sink in too I'm like oh yeah that's that's Battle for many a day
0: <laughs> yeah, its just it's just something I keep keep touching back on because um, there' these these moments where you're like, oh God, like it's just overwhelming yeah. um, you just have to just take a step back and stop stop trying to have that reactional you know sort mm-hmm. of solution that you come up with and just thinking longer term and how how is this a much more sustainable solution for you know yeah, it's been something I've been kind of thinking through and have been sort of meditating on the last Mm -hmm. month and a half. Um, you know, so yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's been amazing to see, you know, um, you know, leadership and the people that have stepped up to, um, you know, and, and, and that's the thing I think in, um, when times are trying, when times are difficult, you know, things are more difficult than when things are easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and, I mean, that's the time when we get to see people step up in a way they may not have before. So -hmm. that's been interesting, too, to see how much people have been wanting to try and share and Mm -hmm. step up to be better and think Mm -hmm. about our collective um,
1: so that's I mean, been... even just the display of patience right yes. Like, <laughs> you know from yes you can have more space on the sidewalk or you know somebody just like letting you go through the door first or you know wh- while cars really aren't much on the road they're getting they're getting to be more popular now out there but um I, I was just also enamored by like the limited road rage, or <laughs> you know, <just> <laughs> moments where if, like my mom or me and my brother were in the car, like we, I know we would have been upset before, but you're just like you don't know what they're going through. And I just hope that you know, even if people don't do the all, all of the mutual aid work or the you know the, the quote unquote bigger things, that at least we can hold on to some of that, you know, that yeah. that grace and that kindness and that patience with people um you know beyond the state of emergency because as all the you know reportings and modeling show like this is going to be around but yeah. we're not going you know, like but at some point we're going to move out of this super super sensitive phase and i need people to be sensitive you know because the people families will still be going through things and families will be prayerfully rebounding you know and you know just kind of getting their their things together again but You know, I at least hope that we can treat each other with grace and patience (laughs) and kindness still.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I was having, I was talking about this with my mother the other day, you know, because I'm, I tend to be very impatient and, um, you know, especially grocery stores. (laughs) I'm in there, I'm out of there. I just, you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm there for business. I'm not there to, you know, we dally. And so, um, I was, I was, it was my first trip to Trader Joe's after all of this started. Uh-huh. I, was told, I was looking for some sense of normalcy. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> I, need, I need my little Trader Joe's stuff, right? And I go, and I, it's you know, like tw- half an hour before closing, and I go, and I, I'm thinking I could just walk in there, and they're like, "Oh no, no, no! You gotta wait. You gotta wait till someone leaves." And I'm like, "Okay," so I'm annoyed, but I'm like, "Okay, I'll wait." And then this woman comes up right behind me, and she's like, well, I got to go in there. It's going to close. And, you know, the Joe's, you know, employee was like, well, yeah, we, we won't close on you. You know, it's just. if You're you here. Back, you're kind of you're here. <laughs> it won't be long. He's like, there are people leaving. Like, look at the register. They'll, they'll be leaving soon. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't you go ahead of me? Just go ahead of me. Uh and so, oh, she was just so annoyed, and um, and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, yeah, I think those are those moments when, like, that's what you look like, and that's the effect you mm-hmm. have on other people. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, sometimes we forget. We get so caught up in our own experience that we forget how much it can ripple into the experience of other people.
1: Oh man. Yes. And I'm That's like, so I'm like,
0: I, uh, I'm like, okay, like, this is the attitude I'm, I, I cannot have the next couple months. Like, I need to just expect that it's going to take me longer. And yeah. I, I, this poor Trader Joe's
1: guy, like, he, he doesn't want
0: to
1: <laughs> deal with this all day. I'm like, I need to remember that. Um, yeah. you know, I found myself even like, shouting thanks to a an amazon like employee you know um because i just it's just like all the the folks that are continuing to help things run you know whether it's somebody at the gas station or the you know the mail carriers like actually mm-hmm. i was just thinking i should write a sign for our mail carrier because the first responders in our neighborhood get a lot of love i mean they're like signs out and everything for them and there are a lot of Um, first responders that live in this neighborhood, but I'm always like mail carriers (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) who are carrying my letters to friends and, you know, helping to spread joy and they could leave my bills elsewhere. I don't really want those, but, um, (laughs) you know, they too are keeping things moving and we appreciate their work. You know, same thing with like our CTA drivers and, you know, everybody that continues to help public transportation systems run across this country. So. Yeah, you know, shout out to the people at Trader Joe's doors, <laughs> as well as our mail carriers and the other folks who are making sure that we get what we need in this yeah. time, you know? Yeah,
0: I, I've, I'm, I've been blown away at how much more polite people are, perhaps, mm-hmm. in general, since that experience, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm really glad, like, that people are, like, realize we're in this together and how much, you know that kind of that course interaction could just, it doesn't make it better for anyone. For anyone yet. I think everyone's kind of, you know, realizing it's going to take a little longer. Things aren't going to be at the same pace that they were before. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're going to have to just make space for other people. Mm-hmm. I know I was in line picking something up yesterday and it just, uh, everyone's so orderly and
1: polite <laughs> <laughs> you're like, like wow this- personal space I think that's the <laughs> one I notice most when I'm out at the store I'm like and when somebody you know there there are definitely there have been experiences before when you're just like do you not realize how close you are to me in this line person um and I will not name names or anything like that but I think we've all experienced that before and you're like So now the like, six feet, sometimes it seems like an ocean between you, but also I'm like, wow, I have space to, like, put my things on a conveyor belt, and if I change my mind, I can, like, walk the entire conveyor belt to, like, reorder things without somebody being right behind me, you know, so... So, oh, yeah. I know. That's one thing I appreciate
0: now. I'm like, I could put the things on the conveyor belt in the order I want them bagged.
1: <laughs> exactly. Not in the frantic rush of, like, the lady behind you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just, yeah, it's it's been... Uh... You Know, yeah, I've been trying to avoid going out, but it just I was talking to my mom too, like how much I just miss these little creature comforts mm-hmm. of going out for coffee with her and you know, Saturday mornings and just ha- having our pancakes and coffee and taking that time to set the tone for the rest of the weekend when everything mm-hmm. is like everyone else's sort of time, mm-hmm. missing that, you know. Um, and you, you kind of have so much more of an appreciation for these these um these things that we were able to do and yeah. we know that they're gonna change they're not gonna look like that uh, once we, we re- yeah. any intermediate sense of normal um you know but um uh, but yeah it, it, it i do appreciate like the interactions of, of now with, and the people that that are interacting with people on a daily basis right now. That are making sure we're getting fed and getting our food and, and, and grocery stores and deliveries. Mm-hmm. It makes all the difference, and thanks for them.
1: Yeah, for doing sure. what they're
0: doing, helping them. Keep, help keeping them safe too.
1: So, that's so important. And Those, and that's not even. That's a whole other can. That's a, an entirely, yeah. like, another podcast episode for sure. Um, but I will, <laughs> yeah. if there are, you know, yes, that, like, those workers for sure. Like, there's a whole, there should be an entirely new wave of, like, or re-energized. I'm not saying it needs to be new, but, like, get folks a proper fair wage. Get yeah. folks, you know, the benefits they deserve. Um, and, you know, and get them in the short term, like get them the gear that they need, you know, or at least testing and some assurance there. So, um, yeah, we definitely need to be more mindful of all the, all of the, the, the teams that are still keeping things moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for well. sure. All right. Well, um, I usually, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm sorry. I didn't have a whole lot prepared for this. I would get caught up in the logistics and
1: the. Yeah. Uh, if we have to do it again, I need, I love talking to you. So <laughs> if, it, if there's no. nothing here at the end, you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I have Tyra was an environmentalist and she learned French. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, it just, it, it's funny too, because like, I think
0: I, uh, you know, I relate to people, you know, but, um, but it's, I think part of it's just, it's been emotionally, um, difficult to, like, I, you know, it's, I'm still recovering from and grieving for, you know, my mm-hmm. podcast co-host, mm-hmm. you know, who made this so much more fun in a way that, you know, a part of it was that it was our time to catch up too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's why it's taken me so long to do it. And, um, you know I, I, I still I still wanted to do it, and I still enjoy this, um, but like it just I, it, it took me a while to get back to it, and I kept meaning to and I'm like I just need to commit to doing it and and make it happen because I, th- I think people are still interested, and I think like that there's still a lot of interesting people that are environmentalists of color to talk to for sure
1: absolutely um, and I really appreciate you. We do, and take that. You know, you're absolutely right. Like grieving is a process in so many ways, and not. I don't know. I'm not a therapist, but I don't know that it really knows an end or like full closure. So please do be kind to yourself. You know, and as patient as you are with the guy at Trader Joe's and the lady at Trader Joe's, because it's so true. You know, it's it just takes time. So. Where we can be helpful, please do let us know. Yeah. Yeah. I know
0: sometimes it can be so much easier to be compassionate for someone else than mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't I know. I get that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, no. I'm so grateful that you um, you were willing to do this and, and get on a phone call and, and um, fumble through uh, the tech with me for this. Um, That's
1: great. Now you know, you know. That's why I was like, I'm still here. Like, good thing for you to know how this works. I did not get kicked off the line. I'm still here. It is still recording. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. We'll have to do this again. I think, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see, um, too. I, I did want to touch on that, like where, where you see, um, you were going to with, with the ready for 100 campaign and yeah. what the next steps are.
1: Yeah. So, our journey to 100% is not just about, you know, getting there, but how we get there and who gets there with us, you know, so we would really as a as a collective of environmental groups, environmental justice groups, labor advocates, you know, we've got some engineers on the team, um, we really want to help bring this conversation to various neighborhoods and, and in a way that's accessible. So. Right now, we're um trying to take a closer look at um how much, you know, not just like what people know about energy, because I I don't really want this just to be a conversation about solar panels, but rather how are we helping people? And more than possibly ever, um or definitely in a long time, for some families, like we we need to be looking for these cost savings, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot that's going to be in the watershed of 2020, so. How do we help people better understand their utility bills, how they can um, better manage those, you know, what types of programs are available to help bring down some of those costs, uh, whether it's through the utility or through um, other, other types of investments, and how do they get those things? So I, I, I really think that 2020 will hold more communities listening um, and shaping, of, shaping the narrative of our journey to 100%. And if we can deliver that to the city and other local elected officials, that would be great. So that as they go and look for contracts and think about projects and capital investments, we have a very clear understanding of the benefits that communities are looking for. Um, And, yeah, so energy can sometimes feel so dense because many folks just want to make sure that their lights come on and you know, many people in my generation aren't even familiar with like brownouts and blackouts in the way that just in the 90s, you know, in the 80s, if that used to happen more often. And so we're just trying to to make this relevant um, and help people understand why their voice matters, um, because energy is kind of this like cloaked thing that just happens. <laughs> it seems like magic to a lot of a lot of us. So, um, yeah, we'd love to partner with and build with, uh, you know, groups big and small to figure out what residents are looking for and what type of energy uh, needs they have. So stay tuned for more, I think, later this summer and fall um, about, you know, this community listening sessions and really trying to build a narrative for this work.
0: Yeah, I imagine a lot of, yeah, because a lot of the work you were doing was getting people together in a room
1: um, Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. to make sure everyone was heard like how is that how are you guys you know um, responding to that now where we can't gather in a group are you are you kind of looking at ways to, (laughs) to get people together without you know getting them in a room together
1: yeah we are and we're actually I think it's beginning to get that ball rolling again Um, because much of, I guess, April and May were, well, definitely April was just like pause, (laughs) do what you need to do with your family and with your respective work and things like that. Um, and as we kind of move into this, I like, I think how you phrased it, this intermediate, uh, recovery space and reopening, right? It's, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we're all kind of trying to figure, figure that out. But I wanted to be, you know, very sensitive to the fact that you know, computer access and Internet access is still something that's not um, equal across the city. So I recognize it's not always appropriate to say, yeah, just hop on the Zoom call or whatever platform that we use. So I think that's kind of been the go to to make ensure that we have that we maintain our meetings and, you know, lots of phone calls and check ins and text. Um, but moving forward in the community meeting sense, I think we may just, you know, old school phone trees are still alive and well. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And as well as having some of those other more updated technologies. Um, I think this is where that real deep grassroots work is going to be critical um, to make sure that we we meet people where they are. And if that's surveying, if that's phone calls, um, so be it. But yeah we're we're definitely trying to reexamine that and if you've got some good ideas, I'm all ears <laughs> because I don't want i don't wanna make residents feel uncomfortable either you know about coming to a room with fifty other people or you know even thirty people. some people aren't gonna wanna do that, and they should still be able to engage in the conversation
0: right yeah exactly um yeah I think that's gonna i'm I imagine community organizing and um is yeah, like how that's going to have an impact is, um, you know, we can't put this on hold. We mm-hmm. have to keep looking forward, and I think now especially, um, you know, thinking through any solutions that are that are um, are addressing, you know, the longer term and and are thinking about a
1: sustainable future.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And access.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, I, you know, not even everybody watches like TV anymore. So thinking about just where are people plugging in, which is just—it seems like the basics of organizing to make sure that your message gets out. But I—I um, I know that's become a very critical thing to understand because even if you run ads on lo- on on TV or. You, you know, like we have to think robustly and deeply about connecting messages to people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of find myself meditating on that a lot. And the fact is, it looks different in different places. But that's why that community leadership and that diversity of leadership is important. Um, so that you can, you understand like, okay, yeah, we need to have this on uh, live streams on these platforms. And we need to get our website up and going like that's something that we didn't really have tons of resources behind like in the last year and we're like okay we need to make sure that we have a place a landing page where people can go and learn more and plug in and offer input so yeah our um, our new handles rf100chai are live and that's chi at the end um, so people can stay tuned there but We'll be, we'll be rolling out some more things later this year. Because, <laughs> like you said, the conversation is happening. And the normal, unfortunately, is that they will happen without us. <laughs> and yeah. people will say we tried or we didn't know how. And that's not an excuse that, that our team, the Ready for 100 Collective, wants to happen at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think
0: that's, that's even part of a bigger conversation around just information and how people get inaccurate information on um, mm-hmm. social media uh, and it's it may come from a, a someone you know and it gets retweeted or reshared and mm-hmm. you think it's true and it may not necessarily be true because they're not necessarily vetting it.
1: Yep. And, th- and they're just trying to do their part in making sure you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Did, did you get a lot of um, text messages at the, at the, like, forwarded chain text messages at the beginning of, I guess, the pandemic here, um, and before everybody was on quarantine? No. I feel as if that was, like, really a popular thing happening in my phone, was just like, especially with my older relatives, that were just, like, you, do you remember, like, chain emails that... You know they always end with like pass this on to seven people or something bad is going to happen to you. So the text (laughs) wouldn't end with it, but it was like it was the same. Yeah, exactly. It was definitely like the same (laughs) type of text, Um, and sort of information was in them. Just like how people were getting sick or what the symptoms were, and and most of you know sometimes like most of it was true, but not all of it. um, Definitely. You know, I feel as if older populations were talking a lot about, you know, what type of medication made you more, more prone to it. So there was a lot going on about like Tylenol and ibuprofen and, you know, Advil it just, it was so much where you're just like, where do they get this from? Who sent this to them? And, you know, who are these 30 other people I'm on a text chain with now who, um, who are like, thanks so much, you know, I'll pass this along. And I'm like, this is like two thirds correct or at least confirmed, you know? So um, you're absolutely right. We live in a, a moment of news where I think a lot of people are not sure what to believe fully. Um, and that's dangerous in a moment like this, you know, when you need accuracy and you need it to be quickly disseminated. Um, but yeah, so I uh, to your point, maybe accurate text messages are another thing that we should... <laughs> <laughs> that mobile to mobile texting is 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 a strong uh organizing <laughs> tool as well. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, that, yeah. I didn't get any of that. Um. Oh that. Yeah. That may have been. Yeah. Oh, I'll, train, I ch-
1: changed with my aunts then.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't have a lot of elderly relatives. Um, locally for sure. I don't mm-hmm. have any. And then um yeah, but that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing too. I that that early information that. It was just going to be hard on elderly people, mm-hmm. um, left young people, especially really young college age kids in their early 20s, thinking, you oh, know, they were invincible. Um, mm-hmm. It was a disservice because, one, they were also getting sick. and mm-hmm. uh, Well, that's one thing that's come up, too. Um, and it's, it's a conversation that my team has been having. I work with in the high performance team, like mm. how much people are a lot more vulnerable and with compromised immune systems and it isn't visible. So you don't know that they are more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And and we need, you know, there, this is a lot of these measures have been their standard operating, you know, procedures, but, and now the rest of us have, have had to adopt this. But mm-hmm. what does that mean in the long term? You know, and also they're still vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. And as we kind of ease up on these measures, like, what is that going to look like? Are we going to, are we really going to ease up on all of them? And that's one yeah. thing, like, we've been trying to think through with vulnerable pol- populations and design, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, is, what does that mean? Like, kind of trying to look to the future of of design and and. Being in construction and being in um, in architecture and engineering, like how do we how do we address this now? You know, as, as projects start to start up, and mm-hmm. and, and also mm-hmm. think about how we can reduce energy use, and also think about the climate and health impacts for everyone. Wow. Um, you know, that's something we've been we've been really. Trying to think about like just vulnerable populations that aren't very it's, when it isn't visible,
1: yeah. Um, and that's that's the hard part is like the visibility piece. Like when you make a group invisible, you know it's it's just kind of slippery from there. So I kudos to you for for carrying that sensitivity and in, in the work.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's something we're trying to we're trying to think through and and. Um, you know, yeah. How do we address, you know, equity and, and inclusion? Um, you know, in in the work that we do, so that that's. I mean, we're not gonna come up with a solution right away, but we're still trying to think through that and how how that can have an impact too on on a yeah. on a general population. You know, yeah. That is necessarily gonna be bad. You know, it it just. I think like there's this expectation too that we'll have to sacrifice mm-hmm. or, you know, and that's not necessarily the case with good design. Mm-hmm. How do we, yeah, so we've been, we've been talking about this a lot. Like how does, what is the future of, of that look like? And how do we, you know, things like the open office mm-hmm. you know, that are, help with collaboration. Mm-hmm. How, do we, if we are in individual pods and are far away from each other, how do we still, get the opportunity to collaborate and, you know, share information.
1: Please let me know what you all find out. (laughs) Um, Because our team, you know, for the foreseeable future is going to be working from home, but we have a, a blended office space like that too. And we've tried to foster, you know, some group, you know, space like a virtual group space for check-ins and kind of like that you know that casual chit chat but um, it's not quite the same when you when you can just like grab a note you know a a big sticky piece of paper and everybody grabs the marker and you say can you help me design this thing or think through this problem and do you have five minutes like I'm not able to do that in the digital space and even as I think about those types of activities that I like to do with groups, you know, when you're, whether you call them focus groups or, you know, with, in, in community meetings, you know, whatever the audience, honestly, like, just like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to all
0: share information across
1: industries and yeah. applications
0: on that, you know, mm-hmm. figure out what works. Um. Yeah, how much of that is technology and how much of that is cultural? Yeah. So, you know, how much is that more about us changing our mindset around that? Mm
1: -hmm. You
0: know, just accepting that, you know, we may not be able to get in a room together anymore and collaborate for a while.
1: But also, Mm think. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, but but we still want to collaborate and we still want to make sure that other people are heard. Mm -hmm. How do we... How do we bring people in
1: you know? to that space? Yeah, and host them there because it's also like holding their attention in that space and making sure that they still feel as if they've collaborated and haven't just been a consultant. You know, um, the oh, I just lost it, but I agree with you. <laughs> 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 I got wrapped up in your in that idea for sure. Um. Yeah. This this is going to oh oh I know what it is. It just in the same way that we were talking about. Um we hope that people continue to be patient and we hope that people continue to be kind. Um yeah. I you know, there are just some other hygiene and just like public health things that I'm sure doctors mm-hmm. are saying like, if you were doing this like we told you, <laughs> this could be better. Um and and so not that Washing your hands alone is going to keep us all safe from the coronavirus, but I hope that we can continue to bring some of those practices into the workspace, you know, and that people are diligent about, you know, not just washing their hands, but wiping down communal spaces, you know, and not just waiting for the the staff at the end of the day who cleans the office possibly you know to do it but that we're just better stewards of our space much in the way that I think we should be better stewards of our earth (laughs) (laughs) for the sake of one another um but you know we will I I hope that our fear of being together isn't the thing that um you know continues to drive us apart and I'm sure it will feel great innovation but how can we also acknowledge no th- these things do work better when we're all in one space and how do we do that you know I think uh-huh. there may be a way to still push through and you know there are plenty of other cultures that wear, wear face face masks more regularly you know and whatever the reason um, you know is that what's going to show up in our culture more often or are we going to figure out like a glove situation where people wear gloves more often you know so I just, I hope that we can also think critically about what, old habits and values we want to carry with us from this experience, what we could leave behind, sure. But um, there, there are things that will help us, you know, re- regain some of the positives of normalcy. Uh, there are some parts of normal that can be left behind, but um, if, we're, if, we're, <laughs> yeah. if we're aiming to build a better future together, wash your hands for 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know,
0: well, I think that's a really, really good point I hadn't really thought about. It. But like, yeah, I mean, what would it take for us to get into a room together? What does that yeah. mean right now? And are we willing, you know, to just do whatever that takes? Is it face masks, like you said, or, or gloves?
1: You know, yeah, and wiping I, so I, take the public, I take take public transportation to work every day. And please believe me, I'm very happy I don't have to be on the train and the bus for an hour each day now or each way to work. But um, I, my heart hurts for our public transportation system, which makes the city A, so great and helps us stay connected. Um, it is not a perfect system, but we're not, we're not using our systems. Like they're losing so much money at the fare box. Um, yeah. But in, in my mind, I've been asking myself, what is it going to take for me to feel comfortable? And when will I feel comfortable taking public transportation again? Um, and what can I do? Because I do want to continue to invest in that system. I think it's terribly important, not just for environmental reasons, but it's a part of um, a vibrant economy here. Um, it's a great way to, to enable people to have access to job corridors and other economic you know, hubs. So I want to see it do well. But I I know what rush hour feels like <laughs> on the L and um yeah. So I, 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 that's, those are those the types of things I've been workshopping in my head. <laughs> what, yeah. what do I need to feel safe and protected in those spaces? Um, and how can I not be, um, you know, and, and yeah, just like, how, how should I steward that space? Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think we're, we're gonna, we're gonna have to be thinking about that now and and start working through it for sure, but um, all right, I think I think we're winding down now. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think this is good. I did uh, I did want to offer you the uh, if you had any um, I know I like to include an instance of uh, du um mm-hmm. or something you think it needs to be du and and of course um for an explanation of that um, you know when we think about the act of Columbusing as something that's been sort of um, whitewashed or taken over by the mainstream and and um kind of pulled away from its origin from you know people of color di- indigenous populations and and um and as a tribute to um Dusable as the founder of Chicago um mm-hmm. We, we, we use that word. We use disabling as the act of reclaiming something. yeah And reclaiming that. Um, <laughs> is there anything uh, you'd like to offer as something that has been or should be mm-hmm.
1: I It's so interesting. I remember listening to some of your first, well, maybe not the first first ones, but like a few episodes and I cannot find that notebook where I'd started to jot down some ideas myself because I was like, Oh, this is such a cool concept. Um, so I don't have anything at the tip of my tongue, unfortunately. And, um, I guess for the sake of, for the sake of at least having something on this particular recording and maybe we could do it again when I think of something. To edit that in later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So like, oh, the um, I'm always encouraged by the seemingly more frequent um, incorporation and inclusion of people of color in environmental spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, To the, the conversation we were having earlier, right? Like I felt as if early on in life, environmentalist meant, you know, hiker and like, saving birds or something like that. And I wasn't doing any of those things. Um, but when I'm reminded and I, and more people recognize that environmental stewardship um, means so much more than just single acts of beach cleanup, but in so many cultures is like a part of the culture and about how you engage and how you, operate in community and relationship with land and with space um it's just like the act that act i want to continue to see be disabled because (laughs) there are groups some that don't even exist anymore right that carried on those practices that have either been made invisible or who who literally were pushed off of land or or killed um that carry that knowledge and and there are people who still carry it today. And I'm so always so grateful when those voices are are incorporated into spaces. And it feels as if it's happening, right? Like I, I know it mm-hmm. is, um, but it feels as if people are really checking themselves before they move forward with an activity or with a thing to say, oh shoot, do we have everybody that we need? And in some places, it feels checkboxy, right? Like, did we get this type of person? Did we get that type of person? And that's not enough. But I do think that there is something to be said by the the now seemingly more common pause that coordinators are experiencing and, like, causing, they're, they're causing themselves to pause to say, do we have who we need to have this conversation? Um now, whether or not they stop and get the people together, that's another thing. But I, I feel as if the paradigm is shifting, like the the wheels are slowing down so that people are, are that those coordinators of these spaces are saying, nope, so we have to acknowledge that history. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And every time I see it happen, I'm like, yes, this should cause you to pause. <laughs> and you should be considerate of how you're engaging these voices. Um, and I I... I also have to do that for myself too. Um, so let's continue to do um, the, the environmentalist space, I guess that seems heavy, but, <laughs> um, yeah. That but is. it's, yeah, I don't know. That's what I've got for you today, Juanita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It feels like a, like a
0: heavier episode. I think it just, um, you know, the, yeah. um, I mean, that's just it. We're we're dealing with, and especially when we're not trying to be really reactive and come up with short-term solutions. Like, we need to have that big picture. Yeah. Um, so, it just, that big picture tends to be a little
1: heavier, you know, than the,
0: the short-term.
1: I'll think of something lighter. Like, let's go do Sobble. <laughs> like, that soul food restaurant. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh- <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain works this way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I think.
0: Well, that's it too. Like, okay. I mean, something that may seem really light, like, has an, it may have a really huge impact on an individual or a group of people. Just you know, totally. this is heavy. I mean, to sabling is heavy. It isn't. It's not like um, you know, renaming, um, and even something as seemingly, you know, small as
1: you know renaming a a, a team Great. A sports yeah yeah you know? oh my gosh goodness gracious that
0: you know? that
1: conversation is one that also needs renewed energy because it's like y'all <laughs> like we've got we've got to do better <laughs> um, yeah
0: it just but that's the way we've always done it that's the way it's been and it's like well yeah. no like that just yeah, it wasn't, just because it
1: wasn't okay that time either, <laughs> yeah, totally exactly. True.
0: So yeah, I um, yeah, there's it's it just it, it is heavy. Do is just heavy because it is just by its act by the the nature of it, it is you know reclaiming something that's been taken. Yeah, you know, for sure. It isn't, um, it isn't something really simple like um, you know. Even even with food, you know, with cuisine, with, I was thinking about mm-hmm. that uh, earlier with um, quinoa, you know, mm. it's super trendy, you know, but do we, do we acknowledge its origins and do we acknowledge, you know, how it's sustained yeah. you know, an indigenous population because of their, their you know, work in, in genetically modifying it and growing quinoa, you know, I think like that's something that, that we don't always acknowledge as trendy as it is, yeah. quinoa style. um, Ooh. it's really easy to take food, um, you know, especially from a group and not necessarily respect that
1: group. Absolutely. Absolutely. No matter what's written on the Side of the cart the carton you know or the bag you know um that's a, that's a very good point i wish i had something like quinoa oh my goodness okay i'm gonna look around my room some more i don't even know what's going on outside that's unfair I- <laughs> 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 oh
0: okay so i'll let you in on a little secret um, with do Sabling, if I can't come up with anything, I could usually come up with some food, like some cuisine. <laughs> That's too <so laughs> <Because>, good. <laughs> because we and actually, I do have to say one thing that um that started me on this journey to one of the first podcasts mm-hmm. that I ended up just really loving. Um, that got me started in podcasting was uh racist sandwich. Oh. Yeah. I'm to I'm like pulling up my phone now. I'm gonna. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they've they've uh, they've published anything in a while. But um, that's the beautiful but, thing oh, about the internet, awesome. right? <laughs> yeah, the
1: they're,
0: they're, I think they must still be on iTunes and stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, recent. I think it just became too much of an endeavor for them because it was so.
1: It, it would get pretty heavy, but yeah, it. Just, I gotta check it out. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So. What's the food thing there?
0: Like, do they actually talk about sandwiches? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I I want to say that what started it was, you know, Bon Appetit. Um, mm. They would do this series and they had this guy um, from Philadelphia um, or in Philadelphia that started like a chicken pho place. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, was, you know, he was Caucasian. He, mm-hmm. you know, he may have spent some time in. Vietnam I don't know it's not even important Mm -hmm. but he just claimed that there was a right and a wrong way to eat pho and that the way he served it was the best way and so Mm. this video went viral and then of course like the Vietnamese community was like where does he get off saying this (laughs) like (laughs) and especially like the things he was saying about the way you know Vietnamese Americans were eating it. It's like, buddy, oh, like we keep asking this is the way to eat it. Oh, um yeah, you know, eat it. yeah, so so it was stuff like that it, that started There was a really, really great parody of it that this one um comedian did and was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
1: Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look this up. And it looks I think they have I think they have episodes. So let's I'm gonna start listening and text you about this uh, this podcast. Oh, here's one about Chicago. Great, that's what I was Oh, there it is. This is awesome. Oh, this is yeah. Yeah, awesome. So,
0: well, are there any uh, podcasts you listen to on a regular basis that you
1: you like to share? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, I. Hey, okay, wait a second. So I used to be. I only recently started getting into like things like the daily again. Cause I had to take just take a pause from like news news. Uh, yeah. That yeah, was, was a thing. But anyway, I, I'm not a mother, but I really do enjoy the the podcast motherhood Sessions, which is um, I think they're all about like 30 minutes or so. And it's a therapist talking with mothers. And just like talking about, I hate to say motherhood, but just like the 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 complexities that come with it, you know. So it, of course it's like kind of unpacking some of the mom's biases or goals or like her anxieties, um, and and how that plays out in child rearing. Um, but um. It is, I love it because it just shows such like the mosaic of emotions a that comes with parenting but also like with all these different women you know who are parenting in all types of different situations and different cities and you know um it's just really beautiful because it, for much of the same things that we talked about today it's like they're not all the same not all moms are the same motherhood doesn't look the same um and sometimes we just have a social script for what that's going to look like whether it's rosy or you know like you're going to have a moody teenager but some of these moms are like new moms and just listening to them go through all of their like thoughts is really kind of nice to know that we don't all have it together and they're either supported by villages or finding their own space um and doing well so that one I like highly actually highly recommend I really enjoy it and then um you know you can never get over some things like the
0: read and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah oh those are great yeah I uh yeah it's funny how much I really love just interviews of people talking um just very personally about their own experience like that's what I love about podcast um yeah. and that that and and uh I love the dollop a lot more than I'm willing to admit. Um, and it's just Have you heard that podcast?
1: I have not listened yet. <laughs> but I love that you're just like, you know, the fact is I like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it'll go on for hours. Um, oh my and, and like, I just got to skip through like the, the, you know, their ads. But, um, but I love the premise of it. Like I love it's one guy exhaustively researches something that, you're not going to find anywhere else like Ronald Reagan or, you know, um, and like all the terrible things he has done. And then the other one, the other guy's a comedian. He goes in like, oh, I love Ronald Reagan. He's like, oh, he's a terrible guy. So he has no idea what he's did for for the rest of the podcast. Oh, my God. That is <laughs> so, so rea- wild. So his reactions are
1: very real. And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, that's so cool. That's cool. I've got okay, so I've got two things uh now pinned for me to like go like that.
0: They're so very different, but uh I think uh I think you'll appreciate appreciate it, But the dollop especially, I think like that is um that is a uh, yeah, the thing it's stuff like you wouldn't otherwise hear about. Um the guy that um was that came up with refrigerants. You oh. know, and, and
1: Yeah. You got to listen to that wow. one. We've got some, we've got some talking to do apparently.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we may just do a podcast about other podcasts we've listened to. I don't know. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, because we've covered like the gamut here, like a, a bit of news, some pop culture, you know, so it's good. Okay. As if you needed another project, but uh, <laughs> keep me in mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I like oh, Kyra, So great to get to talk to you. Thank you so much for for talking to me and and talking to me on a on the podcast. So you you have the honor of being my first podcast guest. Oh man, that is crazy! <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I know my solo career, I guess, as a podcaster. I guess so. At,
1: at least for this for this part of the ch- for the journey, you know. So thank uh, you for having me, and I'm too. super happy that it's you know a carrying on um and i look forward to future episodes and listening in
0: yeah thank you yeah and then um
1: yeah okay so I, i think i'll
0: i'll stop now